On today's edition of Locked On Eagles, Gino and I are going to dive into our gut feelings about what the Eagles are going to do in the 2023 draft now that the main wave of free agency is over. Rule changes, Nick Sirianni comments at the owners' meetings, all that and more on this Tuesday edition of Locked On Eagles. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Tuesday edition of the show. I'm Louis DiBiase, joined, as always, by my co-host, Gino Camilleri. We're your only daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day, Monday through Friday on YouTube and all podcast platforms. Good to be back on the show. I was in uh, Nashville for a few days for my brother's bachelor party. Um, was hanging out around the Titan Stadium a lot, you know, and uh, definitely uh, looked at that stadium like this is fun. I remember when we stole the soul of this team this year when A.J. Brown basically got everybody fired there. So uh, made me feel good about the Eagles situation being down there. You're lucky. I was hoping to go somewhere like that for my bachelor party to a football yeah. game. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, but man, that's cool. I've never been to Nashville. I've heard nothing but great things. My fiance was there about two years ago, and she said that whole Broadway area is awesome. It's a nice, and it's a nice. The Eagles oh, have a gonna... similar setup, though, where it's like right downtown. Everything yeah. being downtown is super convenient. I like cities that are set up like that. I'm very into that. I went to Panthers Eagles in Charlotte uh, last year in 2021. Mm. Very similar vibe. So definitely a cool aesthetic. But I saw the stadium like, hey, everybody check out the football museum over there. Nobody really yeah. quite got the joke. I'm like, because they run the football. So mm. definitely a cheesy uh, football nerdy joke <laughs> that the other guys in the group didn't get. But on today's edition of the show, as I mentioned before, got comments from Nick Sirianni, had some good things to say specifically about some role players on offense that I want to get into Gino and then you mentioned it yesterday Howie Roseman talked at his press conference and one of the main things he talked about was his priorities about positions right he was kind of recapping free agency and the decisions they made the guys they let go and the players that they kept and the highlight was what we know the Eagles do over the last 25 years it's prioritizing both sides of the line quarterback receivers and corners basically the passing game on both sides of the ball and you saw that with you know signing Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey Lane Johnson Darius Slay James Bradbury running it back with all those crucial pieces at those spots and so Gina with that being said now that we know that Terrell Edmonds is a safety for the Eagles and Morrow's at linebacker and most of their moves in free agency the main ones have been made we're a month away from the draft now literally a month away which is crazy do you have kind of a hunch or any inclination of what you think the Eagles are going to do with especially those first three picks in the first two rounds? On yesterday's show, I, I did a fun concept where I did four two-round mock drafts and I had all of our yeah. fans vote on it. And yeah. I stuck to what the Eagles do. And for most of them, I went either offensive line or defensive line with one of those first-round picks. But at the same time, Lou, sometimes you have to do what works and at other times you have to do and break tendencies in yeah. areas where it might not have been so glorious the past couple of years. And I'm thinking about cornerback, right? How great or how poor rather have they been at acquiring talent through the draft at that position? Even Zach McPherson, I hate to throw him into that category. We still have yet to see what he is, but you're talking about the Sidney Jones, the Rasul Douglases of the world. And 
I mean, going back to the the Nate Allen days, it's just been bad through the yeah. draft that trying to get those guys. They've had to go out and sign Malcolm Jenkins, Rodney McLeod. They had to trade for Darius Slade. They had to find their way and luck into James Bradbury being released from the Giants. If the Eagles want to get ahead of the eight ball where they're not so reactionary and you're having to count pennies if you want to pay a 32-year-old Darius Slay and extend him, well, how do you counteract that? Use one of these two high picks on either a safety or a cornerback that's going to be cost-controlled at least for the next five years or so. Yeah, that's the thing, Gino. I kind of go back and forth with it because you saw those comments from Howie Roseman, and he talked about how these main positions – that's what they're going to invest in for the most part. It's what Andy mm -hmm. Reid did. It's what they've been doing for 25 years, and they'll figure the rest out. You know, it makes sense. That's what they did at Definitely. running back and safety and linebacker and free agency. But so that's why I never fault them for going line heavy in the draft and receiver and anything that has to do with the passing game. But at the same time, you're right. At the same time, there are years where you can break tendency to go for those other positions because they are still valuable and maybe not running back and linebacker, but the safety position is one that I'm okay with drafting early. So I, I hope eventually they do invest a premier asset in those spots. You don't have to do it the majority of the time. Again, it can be those other positions you prioritize, but I would like to see that. But you know, if I had to predict what I think they will do with those three picks, considering the age of these linemen on both sides of the ball, I'll guarantee you at least two of those selections are on linemen on both. They're going to take at least one offensive lineman and one defensive lineman in, in the first two rounds. And then I would also probably predict you're going to see a trade up or down. Howie Roseman has only sat still in the first round with his pick once since 2016. And that was in 2020 when he took Jalen Rager. So, you know, gun to my head right now, I'd say it's a lineman for sure. Maybe two, probably two and a trade. That's just kind of the Howie blueprint. I've said over the past couple of months that at the end of the day, I believe they'll walk away with seven or eight picks in this yeah. class. And to do that, you're not going to one, be able to move up because you don't want to spend higher picks. Like let's say you want to do a Jordan Davis type of move. Are you going to give up an additional third round pick? Maybe not in 2023, potentially 2024, but I wouldn't bank on Howie Roseman trading future assets, especially when he has so minimal this year. Right. What I would expect him is, let's say up at 10, Lou, they're between three defensive linemen, right? Like let's say it's yeah. Miles Murphy, uh, Lucas Van Ness, and let's say you're picking the letter who would the other Yeah, one. Nolan Smith or somebody. Yeah, exactly. And they're saying, oh, a team wants to move up two spots and we could still get one of these guys that we have right in that one a or one B tier, wherever you have them on the Eagles board to get, let's say a third round pick and add a seventh pick, which then you could move back as well. And they do a lot of that on day two and three where they're okay going back a couple selections to get late round picks because they've landed on late round picks. And I mentioned how bad they've been at acquiring cornerbacks I got to say with Avante Maddox, that's a fourth round pick. He's yeah. worked out great for you. The Eagles do great things with those fourth through seventh round picks in terms of Josh Sweat, Jordan Maialata. The list goes on and on, Lou. So let's say they get seven or eight selections at the end of the day. You're going to have to believe that if three of them or four of them are in the top 100, at least two yeah. are going to be on linemen either side of the ball. That's a guarantee. Yeah, I agree. It was good to hear, though, how he mentioned corner specifically with those other pillars that he believes in. Definitely. Because in the draft, 
he really, I mean, as you mentioned, the last top picks he made was 2017 back-to-back second and third round, Sidney Jones and Razul mm-hmm. Douglas. But outside of that, he's pretty much ignored the position early on in the draft. So to hear him say that he does prioritize corner, and we know that he's just been taking different routes over the years to go for it. And he showed by bringing back Slay and Bradbury how much it does mean to this defense. But I would like to see him show that in the draft. Again, when it comes to breaking tendencies, it's more about corner Geno and safety than it is about like linebacker and running back. I don't mm-hmm. need them to take those positions early. It's safety and corner more so. But I will say this is the year that I, I think they'll definitely take multiple linemen. Um, it could be, I don't, I don't know, again, are they going to move up? Are they going to move down? It could be a little bit of both, Geno. I mean, you look at last year, what did he do? He traded down with the Saints but then trade it up for Jordan Davis. So you could see maybe you move down from 10, you move up from 30, maybe you move down from 30 if a team wants to come up and get Hendon Hooker and pull a little 2018 circa Baltimore Lamar Jackson kind of move. So it'll be interesting, but I, I definitely would predict movement and linemen because again, when you look from 2016 on, he traded up for Carson Wentz. The Derek Barnett pick was not theirs. It was the Minnesota pick, right? With uh was for Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. 2018, he moved down with Baltimore. 2019, he moved up for Dillard. It was only 2020 with Rager because then he moved up for Devontae Smith. And last year, he moved all three picks were jumbled around. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, man. The cool thing about it is it's very it's predictable. It's predictably unpredictable what how he does in the draft, which always makes our live shows entertaining. I think you can also look at how much money they pay to certain positions in free agency and to what they extend their guys with and look at Lane Johnson. They gave him $30 million in a single season. You want to believe that they love offensive linemen and they will continue to take them in the draft. Look at the money that they've given him, given Lane Johnson, given Jordan Maialata. Oh, I said Lane Johnson twice. I meant Jason Kelsey in that conversation. Look at defensive line as well. Look at cornerback. I mean, it just goes to the old Andy Reid adage. Like, give me two tackles, two cornerbacks, two defensive linemen, and I'll I'll build the the rest. rest Yep, exactly. That's what they're going to continue to do. And Howie Roseman, man, we have to take a 30,000-foot view of this thing. They were just in a Super Bowl, Lou, and they have a top 10 pick. That one is either going to garner them – the top player on their board by a mile Two, it's a perfect position. If a team wants to come in and get potentially that fourth or fifth quarterback and three, that 30th selection that's now playing with house money because you could go into day two, get some assets from a team that wants to trade maybe a future first, maybe another day two to you as well. Howie Roseman has set himself up like a chess master right where you could do anything you, you know like at, literally anything Luke. what if you wanted to move correct. up for what if Jalen Carter was available or Tyree Wilson he wanted to move up the cool thing is how he likes to be aggressive and get top tier prospects but at the same time over the last few years he's done a great job where he's kind of having his cake and eating it too mm-hmm. where he's not sacrificing quantity in drafts because because he's been able to accumulate all these first round picks he's built up for years and years because of that Carson Wentz trade he's been able to move down and up so not only does he have short-term flexibility or long-term flexibility, but you know short-term aggressiveness as well. So I, it's going to be fascinating to see what he does, but definitely expect movement. And uh, lineman central, it'll make a lot of sense. I am hoping, though, for at least one corner with one of those selections, but we'll see what happens. Gino, coming up next, I want to get more into the now before the draft and talk about Nick Sirianni's comments about some players on the roster. He's down at the owners' meetings and had some interesting things to say about 
guys like Quez Watkins and Trey Sermon. So we'll get into that coming up next right here on the Locked On Eagles podcast. And guys, today's show is sponsored by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. The tournament is heating up. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. And it's not just March Madness, Gino. It's the NBA. It's the NHL, the NFL futures as well. I've been throwing some money on the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, LeBron James back. I think they're going to get into the playoffs. Uh, not as high on the 76ers in the East, even though they're hot. So make sure you bet on everything. NBA, college basketball, NHL, you name it, at FanDuel. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Again, don't miss out on your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the LockedOn Podcast Network. All right, Eagles fans, we're continuing on this Tuesday edition of LockedOn Eagles. I'm Louis DiBiase alongside Gino Camilleri. Gino, the owners' meetings are going on right now across the NFL. Um, I think it's in Florida, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. So a lot of news coming out across the league. You know, you're seeing all the Lamar Jackson stuff. I love that the Washington commander said they're not interested because they have Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. That made my day yesterday for sure. And uh, Howie Roseman talked to the media on yesterday's show. You kind of recapped everything he had to say. Today, head coach Nick Sirianni talked to the media. And, you know, I think two interesting things he highlighted were role players on offense. And one of them is wide receiver Quez Watkins coming off a pretty down 2022. And then Trey Sermon at running back, who the Eagles acquired last year from the San Francisco 49ers, a third round pick in 2021, only had two carries with the team. But Gino, it was interesting to hear Sirianni kind of talk up Sermon. And I think it'll be interesting because Sermon, again, has not barely played in a year and a half, but he's got talent. He was a former third round pick. It's Rashad Penny and Kenneth Gainwell. That's going to be a committee approach. I actually think there's maybe a legitimate shot for Sermon to do something this year. I think when you look into that comment and what he was really saying is that everything that we mentioned when it comes to the running back position in terms of yeah. running back by committee and getting the best out of each of those players, I think there's individual skill sets that Sirianni sees within Trey yeah. Sermon that he wants to put within this offense. And the great thing about that is you don't have one guy that you're paying six, $7 million to that you have to give 20 to 25 snaps to or respective touches a game. You have this freedom to not only play any of these guys who are costing you bare minimum, you can also still go out and draft a guy or get an undrafted free agent at that position, which I would guarantee right. that they're going to do as well. And Nick Sirianni trusts individuals on this team. If you have a skill set that he believes in, much like Quez Watkins, who we'll talk about in a second, he is going to point out the positives. And that's what we get caught up in a lot of the times, especially in the media, is the negatives of what these guys do. I saw Ruben Frank responded to somebody today mentioning Trey Sermon, and he said he only played, what, two snaps or got two yeah, had, snaps last two year. Carries. Yeah. Two carries. Well, yeah, but what could he do with 10? What could he do with 15? I, I'd right. be open to that. A team picked him in the third round, and not only a team, a team in San Francisco 
who their general manager is very good in acquiring talent, has a respective eye for it. At that position, too. At that position out of every – yeah, as well as Kyle Shanahan, you have to believe that they just had other options there, that he got free from them, and maybe he is a threat to the Eagles' offense, that he could be something that within five to six snaps a game, maybe he does something for you. But how he talked about Rashad Penny saying that he was – coaching in San Diego the same time that Rashad Penny was at San Diego State talking about those teams. I'm like, I would have loved to hear what he had to say about Donnell Pumphrey and that selection. I'm sure that he ribs Howie Roseman every now and then for making that pick. Yeah, Gino, and again, could this backfield be 2018 and totally underperform and it looks like Josh Adams and Wendell Mm -hmm. Smallwood and a regressed Corey Clement? Absolutely. That's the risk you take when you go more value, but I think there's more instances across the NFL where when you take this route, it does work out. And maybe you don't get elite production at running back, but you Mm -hmm. get three guys that can, again, match what Miles Sanders did by 80%. Maybe it's not 100. They don't match exactly what Miles did, but it's pretty damn close. You saw that in 2017. Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, and Corey Clement, were any of them complete elite running backs? No, but as you mentioned with these guys, they all had individual skill sets that complemented each other really well. You had the thunder of LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi. You also had the unexpected passing ability of Corey Clement, pass catching ability. And so maybe that's what this group is. Maybe, you know, Rashad Penny's your Jay Ajayi that just is super efficient, but can't stay healthy. And now he benefits from being in a committee. Kenneth Gainwell's your Corey Clement and maybe Trey Sermon's your LeGarrette Blunt. I, I hope that's the outcome. Um, but at the same time, I think they're taking the right approach in the backfield. I think there's three outcomes that could happen. The 2015, where it was just a downright disaster. They didn't use those guys in the right position. And Ryan Matthews didn't turn out to what you wanted him to be. And DeMarco Murray was huge. That's true. Yeah. I mean, Penny could be be that, but he could also be Ryan Matthews. He could also be that as well, Lou. And I think the middle ground is that 2018 team where you still did enough, right? I mean, Josh Adams, power to him. He wasn't the greatest player in the world, but he did enough. He, I don't think he converted a single third and he one didn't. or fourth and one. What a world. Like you don't have Sproles to trust anybody back. else besides the quarterback, right? Yeah. Like he could go yeah. and do that. And you have guys that can do that as well. And Kenny Gainwell and Darren Sproles with the Boston Scott type of role. I think that's a very good comparison for him. And because well, remember Sproles in 2018 down the stretch, you know, when he came back, that definitely helped the backfield. So again, they weren't incredible, oh, yeah. but and that that was with a non-mobile quarterback in Nick Foles. Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. would is going to make these running backs even better and open up everything. That's the thing you have to think about, right? And yeah. do the Eagles yeah. go out there and add another tight end? And I mock them taking, let's say, Michael Mayer if they really fall in love with a tight end yeah. in a year where Dallas Goddard is 28 years old, coming off of a Super Bowl season. Where have we heard this story before, Lou? Zach Ertz in the 2017 Super Bowl, a career year, they go out and draft a player in Dallas Goddard the same year that Zach Ertz was 28. So what if you get another premier blocking tight end, which opens up the 12 personnel, which makes life a heck of a lot easier for the running backs? Oh, and you have these two elite receivers on the outside where you could still add on top of Quez Watkins. Like, you don't have to get rid of Quest, right? He could still be a fourth receiver for you, Lou, but you could try and upgrade that position as well where you have more versatility than just having Zach Pascal, right? It it yeah. wasn't like, oh, we could put Zach Pascal out there to stretch the field. No, he had a design role. You knew what he was going to do. Same with Quez Watkins. You need a guy that 
could probably do a lot more in a few different areas rather than just a single player who is a quote unquote, just a pigeonhole type of player who just has one role. Yeah. I think Nick Sirianni's comments about Quez today were interesting. And to me, when you look at the Eagles did not make any moves at the receiver position in free agency, they let Zach Pascal go. Yes. Could they draft a player in the fourth round, like a Michael Wilson from Stanford that can compete? With Quez, for sure. I think they're going to do that. And I think Watkins fits more of a rotational three with another player. It's almost mm-hmm. like a committee at wide receiver three. But at the same time, Gino, I think they're going to give him another shot next year because they are I don't think they're going to take a receiver in the first or second round to be that third guy. They're not going to invest that when they have Devontae, AJ, and Dallas eating up targets in this offense. So I think Quez is going to get another shot next year. Sirianni was pretty bullish on him. And again, I I'm bullish on Quez too, because of his traits. I think he's the perfect type of fourth offensive player. We said this all last off season because he doesn't need to do a lot with 10 touches. He needs one or two. So I know he was really bad last year um, down the stretch, but I hope that 2021 Quez can come back, man, because that would be just the perfect player for this offense. It would be ideal. Or do they even trade him, Lou? I mean, there were talks about that. Yeah. And you, you don't know going into the draft. Is I think it would probably be a post-draft that... move, Gino, because right now, I mean, he's the uh, outside of Quez. It's what you have Britton Covey and that's it. Right. Unless it's you're going to trade him for a, a day three pick and that pick is going to be the re- sure. wide receiver that you're going to replace yep. him with. And there's not really a ton of guys out there in free agency. Now the Miko Hardman's of the world are, are gone. Right. And Nelson Aguilar you, signed with Baltimore. Yeah. You, that would have been a great uh, reunion there. But the thing is you got to believe in these guys. Right. And sometimes yep. a, a down year does happen and, he was finding a new role that wasn't what he was used to. He was more of a, a two yeah. and outside receiver. Wasn't the year touching before. the ball a lot, Gino. I'm sure exactly. it's got to be hard to get into a rhythm. And, you know, again, the silver lining, he did step up those first few weeks that um, Dallas Goddard went down. He made some plays mm-hmm. against, you know, those touchdowns against the Colts and the Packers. So I don't want to get rid of Quez Watkins just for a late seventh round selection. Um, if you would have signed like a Miko Hardman, then I would have understood. But I'm kind of with Nick Sirianni on giving this kid one more shot next year. And it's not a, again, Gino, the thing is, it's not a deal breaker. This isn't 2021 where you need Quez in this offense. You have those top three right. guys. So it's kind of like the signings of, you know, Greedy Williams and, you know, last year with Trey Sermon and, uh, you know, all these different players that are by low, but, you know, they have a high upside is you can't really get hurt from giving them a shot. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it, and and that's what Philadelphia is. And now, yeah. out of necessity, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be find the guys that are skill position players that have one or two respective traits that you believe you can build on with a low cost dollar sign. Attached that's what to a role them. player in the NFL yeah. is, anyway. Gino. It has I mean, to. They're be. not complete players. No, there there is not a complete player in the league one and there never is going to be, especially in those guys that are late round picks and guys that are making yeah. the third and fourth positional value on your respective roster. Like I, I think mean, you're getting really picky, Gino, if you want your fourth weapon on offense to be this complete star, right. you know, obviously you don't settle, but again, I think Watkins has the traits to be that nice compliment, but he just can't, he can't hurt you as much as he did last year at the end. That's the thing. So a role player like that, yeah, they can't, they're not going to save you, but he hurt you a lot. And that Super Bowl drop is the big one people will remember. 
but we'll see what happens. Sirianni sounds like he's still a Quez believer. The draft will tell us for sure, though, too, Gino, how they feel about Watkins and the long-term you know, position of receiver mm-hmm. on the depth chart. Coming up next, we're going to wrap up the show talking about some rule changes that the Eagles, they pushed one through. One of theirs did get denied by the league. So that's coming up next right here on this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Eagles. And this Tuesday edition of LOE is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now is your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the Peanut Butter Brownie Bar. Oh, oh yeah, of course, Lou. I think we're on the same same wavelength there. And if you support the Eagles and you want to see them win, you'll be voting for that bar as well. Support your team, support your bar or puff. When you go and vote, you're going to do it for free, and you'll also be entered for free to get one of 50, one of 50 free boxes of Built Bar. On top of that, you'll also be entered to be a one-of-one winner to get a 12-month subscription to have Built Bars delivered directly to your house for 12 months straight. What is better than that? You got to try Built Bar. Built is the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're amazing. They're the only one that I have. I've been back in the gym trying to get ready for my wedding. I need something to kick my sweet tooth. I get Built Bars all the time. There's a constant flow of them to my house. Every time I look at my Blink camera, it is a Built Bar box getting delivered. Go to Built Bar... BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar. Choose that peanut butter brownie to rock with us here at LOE. All right, everybody. We're wrapping up this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Eagles. Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri. Time to talk some rule changes, Gino. The Eagles, I I love the Eagles for so many reasons, but Mm -hmm. one of the cool things about this team, they're always forward thinking. Even in rule changes, they've had some fun rules the last few years. They are the pioneers behind getting all these throwback jerseys, right? The two helmet Mm -hmm. rule. That was a Jeffrey Lurie thing, and now we get to see Kelly Green in 2023, which I cannot wait for. And you saw this year, another fun rule change Philly proposed was accepted. Players can now in the NFL wear number zero, and I think that is awesome. To me, I'm all about jersey freedom, number freedom. Let guys do it. Like I, That's what I love about college football and even soccer is – they're very open with that kind of, I mean, your favorite college team, the Oregon ducks, right? I mean, look at mm-hmm. all the combos they have. I'm a big fan of this, Gino. I think it's a huge aesthetic, a huge vibe. Um, it's a look good, play good for sure. Promotion for some of these skill position guys. They're going to rock number zero. I just, I wonder on the Eagles, who's going to get that number. It's not going to be Jalen. No, it's Devonte six. It could be one of the running backs. Maybe. I don't know. Shot Penny could be, that could be, be that. Cool. But American sports are strange in that we retire jerseys that can never be worn again, right? Yeah, and they got to stop that. Like in, in international soccer, like the number 10 is the, the one number everybody wants, and you could have retired yeah. the number 10 over across every single club on earth at this point. But American sports, you're running out of numbers. I mean, the Yankees, as a Yankee fan, they I don't think they have single digits left for people to wear. you got to continue to expand. I mean, at what point yeah. are we going to see somebody wearing 100? I bet somebody will in the NFL. And I think they got to just stop retiring jerseys and do what Chris Long suggested, which is like a, a number wall of fame. 
You know, right. and still you can still put the jerseys in the rafters. You like retire the you know, put them Syracuse in the Syracuse lacrosse does that with the number twenty two. So That's they smart. give that that number to their yeah. highest prospect or their best player going into that yeah. year. And they just retired, I think, their third or fourth number twenty two, which they yeah, do in right. soccer all there the time go. with the number ten or not. Exactly. I think you should do that as well in the NFL because yeah, I mean Heck, look at the Steelers or the Eagles. I mean, these teams are going to run out of numbers. I don't want to start having like skill so many players have to wear like number 42 or no. like 46. You know what I mean? Like, like you said with the Yankees, that's just not ideal. But I think it's awesome that number zero is coming in. Mm. Uh, I would love to see one of those running backs get it. Hey, maybe Quez Watkins. Here's a way to bounce back in 2023. Rock number zero. I don't know if a defensive what player would do it. Bradbury. Bradbury will be Gina. Hold on. What if they draft your boy Christian Gonzalez from Oregon? Oh, Lou, that's an instant cop. That's an instant cop. Day one. So maybe I don't know Marcus Mariota if he doesn't get number eight, he could rock Ooh, zero. Marcus would be all right with the zero. It's cool though. I love that this rule passed. Gino, unfortunately, I, I think for most people they wanted this rule. The Eagles proposed an onside alternative, which would have been a fourth and twenty, where mm -hmm. the offense can choose. Onside kicker, a fourth and 20 conversion. If they get it, they get the ball back. Where did you stand? I feel like fourth and 15 was for the likes of Jalen Hurts now, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, like it, Herbert, Lawrence. These guys are incredible. 15 yards maybe was, I don't like that onside's like a 1% success rate basically, but I think fourth and 15 is too much of a hike in like the predictability or like the probability of converting that. Fourth and 20, I feel like it was a nice middle ground, maybe you know, fourth and 25, where I, I would have liked to see that be passed because onside kicks, they're basically a, a non-starter. They just, they don't work. I think the XFL and the USFL are, are doing a good job expanding yeah. and trying to explore in those areas. And there has to be a middle ground, Lou, because you want to see those exciting else. situations, right? Yeah. And I think in the spirit of March Madness, one of the great things about it is those last second things, those last second victory, those last second moments where you're saying, how the heck did that happen with 0.6 left on the clock? Right. A lot of the times when there's an onside kick after a, a big touchdown, you inevitably know what's going to happen. Maybe you back the returners up five yards, and yeah. when it goes to 10 yards, both teams can go get it. There there has to be a middle ground. The fourth to 15 would have been awesome. I think that is like the Hail Mary, chuck it up from half court type of thing where I mean, fourth and 26 is one of the greatest moments in Eagles history, right? right. And uh just a chip in a chair is all you need that late in the game. And the NFL has to do something. It's the premier product. And the biggest moment comes down to something that happens one out of a hundred times yeah. or three out of a hundred times. They got to do better than that. And maybe it's only like you're allowed to do it once in a game. Maybe it's right. only allowed in the fourth quarter, just so teams aren't constantly going for fourth and twenties to get the ball back. And a team never gets the ball back when somebody else scores. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like there is, like you said, a middle ground where, they just got to find an alternative to the onside kick. Cause again, I know there's onsides that they are converted, but Gino, like 99% of the time it doesn't work. I feel like there's gotta be, right. I don't want a team to be able to get the ball back with like a 50, 50 shot for sure. Like I don't want a fourth and 10, mm -hmm. but there's gotta be something in the middle here. And uh, I, I thought this was a good proposal by the Eagles. The NFL didn't approve it this year. It's been coming back to the table a few years in a row, kind of like the two helmet proposal. So mm -hmm. maybe in 2024, it does come back. But um, I, I definitely think they got to do something. I'm just glad the Eagles are pretty much leading the charge for the NFL not being the no fun league.
Yeah, Jeffrey Lurie will just kind of continue to nudge you in the side with these rules until they pass. I love it. With the no, with the two helmet rule, we knew yeah. it was going to inevitably happen because he wasn't putting it to bed. And why would you not? It helps you make more money, just like the jersey rule That's as insane, well. Man. I mean, would more overtime situations because of this proposed fourth and fifteen or fourth and twenty help you make more money? Help right. you sell more concessions? A hundred percent. Why the NFL wouldn't continue to do that and be the no fun league? I don't know. I'm just glad the Eagles are they're continuing to be the leader of the independence, you know. That's right. America started in Philly. America's gonna keep running through the National Football League, which runs through Philly as always. They also did not ban the tush push QB sneak. So thank goodness. So that's big too for the Eagles when it comes to non-rule changes that one mm. for sure sticking around in 2023 all right everybody that's going to do it for this tuesday edition of locked on eagles gino and i will be back tomorrow thursday and friday monday through friday we got a show for you on all podcast platforms and on youtube as well subscribe and follow us on twitter at locked on birds at dibiase loe and at gc 24 underscore football got a lot of draft content for you these next four weeks so Make sure Lockdown Eagles is your first listen every day, but also make sure your second listen is the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes from free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. You can find Lockdown NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get Lockdown Eagles. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for watching and listening. And let's go birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.